Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest, Nick Schiffer, founder of NS Builders. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is the podcast about all things construction. In this episode, we chat, actually, before we go, should always give the bad news first. I unfortunately have been waiting f- to sit down with Nick for quite some time, and I am the a-hole that forgot to plug the mic in. So today's audio is going to sound like crap. Okay, now that we have that out of the way, despite the poor audio, we chat with Nick, uh, owner of NS Builders, a general contractor specializing in design build custom renovations in homes. NS Builders uh, also custom builds millwork in-house, and they've grown to become one of the most sought-after high-end custom builders in the greater Boston area in less than five years. And Nick has done it successfully on the back of social media and Instagram in particular. Today we'll go we'll go over a lot of things. We'll kind of go all over the map um, with Nick covering social media, where he definitely accelerated the growth of his company, also encouraging people to join construction, and much more. Enjoy the show. Nick Schiffer, NS Builders. Welcome to the Mass Construction Show. Thanks for having me. Even though we were uh, pre-recording there, maybe I'll leave it, maybe I won't. Yeah, it'll be roll. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, it's funny, I, I'll usually tell people the first question before we start. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be honest, Like I struggled with... Because every show I put a skeleton together, Sure. and then it just flows wherever it goes, yeah. and, and I'm completely fine with that, but this, when I'm bringing in someone there's usually at least one usually one thing that i want them there for right right like what could they educate people on like when mike fallon came in i wanted to really know like as construction people we get handed a set of drawings we don't know what goes into getting it to that point like Mm -hmm. what goes into that and it's you know how do you decide which piece of property you're going to buy? How do you decide even where you're going to look? Right. Like, what are all those factors? So, and everybody, there's always kind of a, oh, this is what I think the audience would like to hear. I, I fucking struggled with you because <laughs> I'm like, I, personally, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. And we yeah. kind of talk about them anyway when yeah. we grab coffee or, or do whatever. Um, so it's not like there was one one theme so there's a lot of things right it's like uh you know see i like that i like the fact that it it was a struggle because you know as a company and as an individual like in this industry i'm trying to shake things up Mm. i'm trying to shake things up in multiple ways like i want to i want it to be different i want our approach to be different i want our the client or the homeowners you know um experience to be different so I want us to market differently. Everything is different. So the fact that someone, like you said, struggles with, yeah. like, I want to talk about one thing is good because that means we're doing something that's a little off the cuff. And it's like a lot of people look to, you know, the industry for certain things, like how do I become more profitable? I'm not a profit coach. I'm not a business coach. Yeah. I'm not a mark. I, I do a really good job social media and marketing. Mm-hmm. That's just because I have an obsessive personality and I just figured out, hey, this works. I'm going to do it. I'm not a marketer. I'm not, I don't have a degree in it, and I'm not, I can't tell you how to be a better marketer. But yeah, it's, what you're doing is not a textbook. No. Right? It's just, I'm going, it's totally off the cuff, and I'm just, my, like, my tolerance for risk is, you know, maybe sl- smaller than others, and I'm just going for it. And what's funny is, um, I laugh 
when I see, and I'm sure you must see it as well, and maybe, I don't know whether, it, maybe it's obvious to you, maybe it's not, but when I see the people that are essentially imitating you, oh yeah, like, so I see them on Instagram, yeah. and what's funny is, and obviously the whole, what's the quote? Um, Mine? The, no, 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 the um, imitation is the oh. sincerest form of flattery, oh, way, yeah. right? I just got a text message this morning of someone that said that because they saw our van that looked like mine. And they wrote, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Yeah, but I'll like see Instagram stories and the guy, like, even the style of speaking and everything yeah. is the same. And I was like, listen, uh, I, I forget who it was, but I was reading something where, and they essentially said, nothing is truly original. Right. 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 But the more, so you're absolutely right. Because even I find myself, I'll watch other videos or other stories or watch how someone relays their company. Mm -hmm. Maybe a company I really, like, I really enjoy or I want to be, like, to their level at some point. And then I'll try to imitate that. Mm -hmm. And the moment I do, like, I'm not doing it, like, I need to imitate that. I do it. And then I'm like, all right, that worked. I, I'm doing it subconsciously and then w watching it and realizing, like, that's not me. Right. And, you know, I'm jumping right into it. But, like, oh, I, you know, I look at, our marketing approach is transparent, but also the humanization of a company. Like I can promote our entire company and be very successful at it through final photos and just like, here's the beautiful bathroom we mm -hmm. renovated. Here's the beautiful home we built mm -hmm. over and over and over. And people would love that because they love beautiful content, mm -hmm. but I'm humanizing it by adding that level of story. And I could do it with the camera facing out, but I'm also doing it with the camera facing back and talking about, this is why we did it. This is how we did it. This is the approach we took. Here's actually what we messed up. Here's how we corrected it. Here's the, what the, the homeowner wanted. This is what we proposed. Mm -hmm. and, and talking and being that human aspect of it. Because you watch TV shows. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a humanization of it. Like Chip and Joanna. Husband and wife, right? Yeah. You know, even this old house. It's, you're watching all those guys. Mm -hmm. Those guys are very, very normal in my eyes. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I know Kevin. And, like, we chat on a, a, a personal level. Yeah. And it's not, like, it's not what I'm getting at is like it's not a celebrity it's just they're humanizing what they do mm -hmm. through the through a, a media outlet as television okay so let's visit I have a lot more that I want to say <laughs> about all that but just to set the stage a little bit for folks that may not understand what we're talking about let's, sure. let's tell people kind of who you are I mean I mentioned to you I'll put a, an intro in so yeah. folks will know you know what generally you do but um, and this goes back to the fact that this may be probably a really good place to start. This goes back to the fact of having a trouble putting you in a box to some degree. Mm -hmm. Like, I look at you, you own Ennis Builders. Mm -hmm. um, and at first glance, you're a general contractor. Mm -hmm. Take a closer look, you're a self-performed carpentry company. Right? Yes. You're a carpenter yourself. Yes. Um, been quite proud of it and for a long time right yeah um that's what you really kind of love that's what i get um but then you're also a millwork company producing yeah cabinets and to me i look at that and i'm like wow that's a really that's a lot that's kind of a lousy business model like you know like what like, it's, it's funny because like every, I, I, i'm not saying it doesn't work it might, I, it might work great i don't like, know your numbers but like but at the same time i've never I, i'm not i'm not putting together this business model to promote saying this is the right way to do it right. or 
this you can be really successful doing this. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because this is what I want to do, and and the people that work for me and us, mm-hmm. like they, I'm putting them in positions to be successful. My big picture here mm-hmm. is that anyone I can interact with, you know, from a personal and a professional level, if I can help them be successful, that like I would, I'll I'll go as far as I can with that. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, I started as a finished carpenter, and. You know, prior to me starting my business, I worked for my father. He owns a fence company. I ran his wood shop and metal shop. I was always hands-on, very, you know, very, uh, mostly carpentry, but with some metal work. And when I, I went to college, graduated, went into um, high-rise construction. That's actually how we met. Mm-hmm. You were in the inspector yep. on the job. Yeah. Um, which we didn't connect until years later. Yeah. But then I started my company, and it was, I was... I said to myself, I'm going to be a self-performing owner-operator building and renovating homes and or anything, carpentry-related decks and things like that. And I start, that's when I started kind of building the brand behind my business, but I always thought I'd be in the field. Anyone asked me, it was like, what are you going to do? Are you going to grow this? Nope, I'm going to be in the field. Maybe three guys, maybe two guys. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I was attracting this, you know, group of other carpenters and craftsmen that I wanted to work with and realized that they could replace me and I could put them in a position to train them and let them showcase their work yeah Yeah, and be the craftsman and then I found a level of gratitude in that Mm. Um, or gratification yeah I mean you instead of building a cabinet you're building a company right and it was the same thing with the millwork the millwork kind of came came kind of out of necessity where you know our company grew into you know doing renovations and and um, now into new homes but then we were being asked to build built-ins so my guys would be in the field I'd run the business th- throughout the day you know project manager mm-hmm. owner etc and then at night I'd be in my shop building built-ins for these jobs mm-hmm. and I remember this kid Ken had reached out to me and said he wanted to come work in the shop help me build cabinetry I had talked and I, I always joke, and hopefully he, he listens to this, mm-hmm. but I always tell him, like, when, when we met that first day, I was like, I don't know if you're, I'm going to have enough work for you, in the sense that you might be in the field until I figure out how to make this shop work. And I think, I think he came and worked for me for two weeks later. You know, he left his job, came work. He was okay with it. He mm-hmm. wasn't ideal, but he was willing to yeah, invest. I got to go clean up the push your broom on a job site for a exactly. couple of days until some more cabinets come in. Yeah. And he showed up and I had like six months worth of work. I'm like, so I have all this new work. And it just, it just kind of grew. And I was like, if we can, you know, and at that time we weren't building all, all of our cabinetry. It was just, you know, this selective stuff. Um, and then I remember we had a company meeting and Ken was like, can we just make a rule that we don't install anyone else's cabinets? And didn't even I didn't even I never even flinched I said done like for now on every project we do we build all the cabinetry wow and he was like well that was easy I'm like but no I I want like I, that's the that's what I want I want a client to come to us and we are full service all the way through hmm. so you're right is it the best business model probably not right now I mean there's a lot of we, we're they're two different animals they're totally different and we can I can I can technically separate my company three ways um, you know, project super, project managers, mm-hmm. carpentry, and millwork. Yes. Those those can be three totally different companies. Yeah. Right now, it's all under one umbrella. Mm-hmm. And 
again, I don't think, what we're doing right now, I don't know if the format is right. We've grown so quickly over the last 18 months that, you know, we're still figuring out all three. You know, the carpentry is pretty down pat, but now a lot of those guys are like transitioning into project management. Hmm. So then we're, now we're supplementing more carpenters. The millwork, Ken has grown that shop from just him to now three guys in the shop Hmm. and producing, you know, awesome, awesome cabinetry and and millwork. And, but now, but now that company or that portion of the company Mm -hmm. is like, all right, well now we need an install division because we're building so much in the shop and installing it that we're overwhelmed. So now that has to split. So it's like this, it's, it just keeps splitting and you're absolutely right that there, there, it it can be set up as three different Mm -hmm. divisions. Could you even refer to it as like three under one umbrella? But in reality, you, you, it should be three different under one umbrella, but you have them almost all kind of meshed together to some degree? To an, yeah, to an extent. I mean, the shop is very independent mm-hmm. until the stuff shows up on site. And then the guys on site will aid the shop guys in the install because we don't have a dedicated install team. Mm-hmm. The guys on site are very much, I would say, overwhelmed in the sense that they're project managing. I'm training them to be project managers, but also... Carpenters. So, like right now, we have, um, you know, a lead carpenter and an apprentice, and that lead carpenter is shifting more into project management. So now you have an apprentice without a carpenter. Mm. So now we're in kind of a, a need for to fulfill that gap, to you know have apprentice, lead carpenter, project manager, or site super, mm. however you want to classify it. And then in the office, I have an assistant project manager, and I'm con- I'm considered kind of the lead project manager and owner. So. There is. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. But I think it's fun, and I think the fact that I get to employ all these people to do what they genuinely love Love, to do, that's far more important to me. So if I have to struggle and wear many hats now while I continue to fulfill the roles that I once did, like carpenter, like cabinet maker, like project manager... Hmm that's fine like that's I want this to naturally evolve into building you know a company that just works with great clients and builds a really cool product okay I want to I'm gonna I'm doing more um, setup in context than I I normally do that's fine the folks that listen to this um, are gonna be more living in the commercial construction world and they might be wondering like why is there a guy that has a millwork <laughs> shop and does high-end kitchen rentals on here? Like, yeah. that's not who we're used to hearing from. Sure. Um, but here's, here's why Nick is here, folks. Um, for lots of reasons, obviously, because I said I can't even put them into a box. But, you know, um, I talked about how what you do for business, right? Mm. So he's grown very quickly from from 2014 to 2018 to very successful whatever kind of company he has. We haven't figured that out yet, right? Um, we'll say general contractor for now. Yeah. Um, carpentry and mill workshop. Um, and it's really been kind of on the back of Instagram that you've been able to yeah. grow your business. I mean, obviously the quality has to be there and that's, that's a big part of it. So it's a company construction company that has successfully used social media and I think that construction industry as a whole 
lax absolutely with using social media like mm -hmm. many other industries do successfully I can say I mean it's done wonders for my business so mm -hmm. this is a little bit of a preaching session for folks out there that aren't doing it you yeah. should be doing it um, so that's kind of the setup of why Nick is here and then the other component is um, in this business I feel like there are people that entered because they like construction and they went and got a civil engineering degree or a construction management degree and they want to be project managers or superintendents and then there's another segment of people in the business that they love construction right mm -hmm. they were building decks on the weekends with yeah. their fathers they like their cabinet makers they their craftsmen on the side and because they love construction they end up becoming a project manager or something right um and you were able to, you were at Avalon Bay at the time, um, go from doing high-rise, project management, superintendent, and APM, whatever it was, mm -hmm. and you took your love of carpentry and started your own business. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of this podcast is bringing on business owners because I feel like there are people like me, people like you, people like Chris Lynch that works for Code Red that are out there working for a major GC or owner or engineer that want to go out on their own, yeah. you know? And it's a reality, and I mean, talk about a hard right turn, completely different worlds, right? Oh yeah. Commercial, high rise, to building cabinets. But right. if that's what somebody is, a, is building cabinets at home and they're a PM at Turner or some giant company, I mean, there's a lot of guys like that. Yeah, like I. So, that's really why you're here today. There's a lot more I want to I want to talk about, but I wanted to set that groundwork. Nick's here talking about this process. Yeah. Um, and the big things to know is what his company's like, and then really that Instagram was, um, in particular, was the, yeah the, the I, big way you grew. Your I mean, business. I can talk about. I can talk a little bit about social media. Oh, I can talk a lot. About <laughs> it. I'm going to talk a little yeah. bit about it. Um, it's. I think it's interesting because this conversation comes up a lot and everyone's like, well, what's the ROI on it? You know, and how many clients are going to hire me off Instagram or like, why would I spend all that time doing it? And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your ROI is going to be. I don't know what kind of content you're going to put out. I don't know if you're going to be likable. I don't know if you're doing quality, quality work. What I can speak to is what I've, I've done. And what I have done is I've used Instagram for multiple things. I've used it for promoting what I do to gain clients. Mm -hmm. And you know, that is just through, I look at it this way. If I can be in someone's life every single day, if I see you every single day mm -hmm. and you never renovate your house and then one of your friends says, Hey, do you know anyone that can renovate our house? The only person you're going to think of is the guy that you see every single day. Yeah. And the only way I can be in multiple people's lives every single day is using a media. Mm -hmm. And social media obviously is the leading media right now, like beyond everything else. The cost of entry is pretty low. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really, it's just time. Yeah. So I looked at that as, all right, I'm going to use that avenue. I'm going to, I'm going to promote what I do, and I'm going to, but I'm also going to talk about what, what I do, why I do it how I do it, and just be transparent with it, even if it's wrong. You know, that's what I, you know, that's where I'm humanizing it. It's like, yeah, we, we did mess up, and maybe I didn't fix it, or maybe I did, and this is why, and this is how. Mm -hmm. But it was really getting to, like, 
the why the why we do this. I also have used it for I'm not only attracting homeowners and clients, but I'm also attracting other like-minded individuals, other carpenters, cabinet makers, project managers, supers, and I'm building a culture around my business. It's a brand. Brand became very important. Like that was number one for us. Is that I wanted, or for me at mm -hmm. the time, I wanted to build a brand and I wanted it to be something that you recognize, like Nike. Like you just recognize the brand and you want you want to be associated with that somehow. Mm -hmm. And every single person that works for me right now was an Instagram direct message, mm -hmm. and they were like, "Listen, I love the culture. I love what you're doing with the business." You, you guys build some cool stuff. I want to get involved. You know, I have no experience or I have 10 years experience or I am, you know, I'm right in the middle and I, I'm, I'm willing to learn. I'd sit down just like this, have coffee. And if I genuinely liked you, like having, having a conversation, more or less, I was going to hire you. Yeah. And that, that yeah, was you my, can teach, right? You right. can teach people anything. I just, if yeah. you, if you're passionate about it and exactly, if mm -hmm. you show a general interest, then I can teach you the technical side. Yeah, I need technical guys to make the company run, mm -hmm. but not all of them have to be technical. I mean, my APM, Molly, she came from, she wasn't even in construction. She, she has her system, she's good with spreadsheets, mm -hmm. she wants to get into construction, she wanted the opportunity, she showed a ton of initiative, you know, and we sat down and I was like, I think you'd be a great fit. You're gonna learn the construction while assisting project managing this stuff, but that's easy. Like mm -hmm. I can't train you to like doing this. I can't train you to like being part of construction. I can't train you to be motivated either. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, it's really just using it for inspiration and, and inspiring others mm -hmm. in the sense that I'm going to promote everything we do. I'm going to talk about what we do. I'm going to share our processes. And, and a lot of people will combat that. Like, well, you can't share all your secrets because then, you know, John down the street is going to take them. But I always would say, that's fine, I want John to do it, because I want both of us to do equal work, because then everyone starts doing good work. Yep. You don't have this large gap where it's like, you start off small, and then you get to a point where you can charge more money, and now you're up here, and then everyone in the middle class is like, well, do I hire the cheap guy and get an okay product, or a crap product, or do I hire the expensive guy and extend my budget and my means? There's no one servicing it, so I was like, I share and everyone kind of creeps up and then there's this coattail that cover, like blankets like that entire gap yep. and but I'm constantly you know us we're constantly innovating because I'm looking for inspiration while inspiring others mm -hmm. so it's like here this is how I built this now I'm going to go figure out how to build it cooler because I want to be ahead I want to be I want to be the next I want to do the next best thing mm -hmm. and I've you know I've focused very little on competitors other people in the the in my market yep. because what they're doing it doesn't matter to me like I, mm -hmm. I know what we want to do and I just want to keep getting better and I want to keep pushing the limits of you know construction or the limits of design with clients designers architects when they come to us and they're like can you build this my I immediately say yes and then I go back and sit with the team and like, how do we get this done mm -hmm. can we do this yeah this there's, there's so much there right? like for people listening you would my, my neck hurts from shaking my head so much right there. <laughs> like, I can't agree more on multiple fronts, right? Like, yeah, like, so, because I've had lots of people say that, like, essentially, they don't want their secret sauce out there, you know? And well, like, what does for, that do? Yeah, yeah, I was like, first of all, there is no secret sauce, 
right? You're like, you, you think that you do something that's special that no one else is doing. It's a very, very tiny percentage of any work that happens that is special. And right? not only that, but like, let's talk, let's use a product, for example, mm -hmm. a hinge. Bloom comes out with this new soft close hinge. They decide that they're not going to share that technology with anyone. They put it on the market. What does, do, what, what does grass do? Grass goes to the store, buys the hinge, brings it back to their facility, dissects it, builds a new soft close hinge. And I'm just using that example. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know if that's the, how that happened. Yep. But why not, why not just build something really cool, give, give the guy next to you the blueprint so he can build it? Because now what you're doing is you're controlling the fact when he builds it. You're, you're saying, here's the blueprint, and they're going to go right to work, rather than wondering, hey, I wonder if he's... I wonder if he's dissect that product yet. I wonder if they bought that and if it's if they're in product. Oh, now now the product hits the market and it's a direct competitor. But even, but even better is what it does. And I look at it from this perspective, which is when you're sharing and putting that information out there, right? No matter what it is, whether it's on social media or you're handing somebody some uh, schematic of how the hinge works. What what happens there is you put it out in if you want to look at it from a competitive standpoint, mm -hmm. your competitor, what are they doing? They are then trying to mimic what you're doing. Right. Right? What are you doing? You're already on to the next thing, right. and they're just constantly playing catch-up. Right. Like, so, so, so if you're good, if you're so good and you have secret sauce and you're so fucking good at building buildings some special way, right? right? Do it. Let everybody know about it. Let the owners know about it. Let your competitors know about it. They play catch up, and what does that do? That allows you and pushes you to say, "Okay, they're going to start doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I how do I? Be. I got to be better." But it also and, makes you the expert. If yeah. they're copying you, you're now the expert mm -hmm. into that market. But now let's talk about the homeowners. The homeowners is watching you share all this stuff and constantly talk about it and constantly talk, walk through all the how, what, why, mm -hmm. and they and they look to you as the the expert. Mm -hmm. And people say, "Well, then you have the they're going to just do it themselves." That's fine. For me, the do-it-yourself market isn't my market. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's your market, but if you're if you're trying to connect with them, tell them how to do it. Because if the more you help them, and when they when they become unsuccessful at installing a TV on the wall, they're gonna call you. They're just gonna call you because yeah. you've tried to walk them through it and you dedicated that time to them that they respect you for it, and that or maybe they're just like you know what I don't. My wife's up you know up my butt about this. I'll just hire you. I know you try to help me, but I don't have the time. And now you're like you're yeah you're investing a little time up front, but you're you want to be the expert in your field, and the the best way and the fastest way to do that is to throw yourself in front of everyone and talk about it and talk about what you. It can be super super simple. I don't think what we do is anything mm -hmm. super crazy. I mean we 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 build really cool product projects, but it's not like I'm not this this isn't like science that like we've come up with this new product yeah, 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 yeah. it's just our approach and our execution and we're and we're just talking about that entire process yeah. i think they're excuses right they're excuses because somebody is um and rightfully so maybe is not comfortable doing it right. this is why they're not and they want to they want to have some rationale for not doing it because right. we we think we're rational beings but we're really emotional right, right? so um if you like a, an, another example, because somebody else might be saying, well, yeah, that makes sense for what Nick's talking about, right? Right. I do co-consulting and education for construction companies, mm -hmm. right? And this goes to just educate people. 
give them the information, mm -hmm. bring the bar up for everybody, right? I was sharing about FPPM training that I was doing, and I was like, hey, if anyone wants the um, presentation, yeah. let me know. Um, and somebody was like, hey, send me the presentation. So I said, sure, I know who the person was. I emailed it to him and said, here you go. Yeah. You know, and it was someone more than capable to do the training for their own company. Yeah. And I sent it to him. Like, within an hour and a half, to this, to your do-it-yourselfer, right? Right. Was sending me an email like, hey, he's like, I was looking at that. Will you just come do the training for our right. company? And even if he didn't, it would have got, it, it would have full circled. Because, like, if you want to take the business approach here and talk about how you can do this for your, your, your side of it, like consulting, mm -hmm. offer all this free advice. Free advice over and over and over. Because the moment you say, hey, I just put this article together, sign up, put your email in here, people are going to swarm to it. And then you put a little blurb saying, don't share this with anyone. You don't care if they share. If they do, that's even better because now it's like this exclusive mm -hmm. document that they, they gave to their buddy. And then that buddy calls you and says, hey, I got this document. I love it. I want, I want to hire you to train. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that information is out there on the internet anyway, mm -hmm. if you dig deep enough, right? Yeah, if you decide that you're just going to make it super easy for everyone and everyone keeps funneling back to your website or your blog, you're now the expert in that field. So no matter what you have, like the moment you say, hey, yeah, I'm $20,000 to come and do a training for a day. Yeah. I'll take I, those numbers. Yeah, right? Right? I'm pricing way, way too low apparently. Got it. No, but I know, what I'm getting yeah. at is like I'm throwing a high number at it because you're funneling all that expert knowledge and you're giving away everything for free that when you do ask for a high value mm -hmm. people value it because you're the only expert mm -hmm. they, they, you're it's that information is so relevant or your information is so relevant in all their searches and what they're looking for that there is no one else mm -hmm. yeah and like then to go back to your original point where it's not just business development there's all these other knock-on effects right right which is now it's employees that want to, people want to come work from you, right? Culture. Because when I was at the AGC, yeah, culture, right? When I was at the AGC, there would be companies that I would talk to, say, I would say, listen, you should really start using social media, right? And there, and you know, there, there would be smaller firms or something like that, and a lot of times the answer would be like, well, I don't need any more work. It's right? not, yeah, it's not about work. It's not about work, right? And I, but I would also say to them, like, okay, I said, well, what is your biggest problem? And they're like, I need people. I need supers and PMs. Right. That's like, okay. So let's say it's a kid coming out of Wentworth or it's an APM that's got five years experience and you'd like to hire either one of them. What do you have to offer them? What can they see into your company before coming to talk to you? Yeah. And they've got and a job nothing. offer from Shamit and you right. or, or name the company and they know Shamit has their flexible work schedule. They just renovated their office. They have the means to train more because they, they're, they have more money. Yep, they give training. They have an ESOP program. Like think about, the, I can keep going. Yeah. Things I can list about Shaman. How do I know that? Because they share that information, right? right. So now you want, you're saying I'm struggling to hire people. You know why? Because A, nobody fucking knows you exist. Right. And if they do know you exist, they know, they nothing, don't, about they know nothing about your company. Right. You know? And that's, I think that is, I mean, listen, I have had a lot of people come to me 
working for some of the big builders in Boston, big GCs, mm -hmm. as well as big residential builders. And I would say, if not all of them, the majority of them had have come to me and said, I'm willing to take a pay cut to work with you. Yeah, isn't that wild? And I, I, I mean, I'm not looking to squeeze money out of anyone. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very but that's like, point. Yeah, yeah, what's, you know, what do you make? Because let's figure out how to get you there. Can I, can I support that? But the fact that I've promoted our culture enough where people are like, yeah, I work in this industry, but I just feel like I'm stuck. Hmm. Where I'll take a pay cut, I'll come work for you because I will. I know working in that culture, I'm gonna have fun. Hmm. Yeah, you want to have fun. Yeah, it's, there's no there's no issue with having fun. Like we work in a stressful industry. It's always stressful, no matter what. But if there can be some level of like fun, you know, or you know, there is that personal relationship, people gravitate towards that. The, oh, like, the money, the money doesn't become the issue. Where Shaman, they can pay more than a residential guy, right? Well, why wouldn't I graduate college and go make that money? Mm -hmm. And, but then you're, you know, really, like, you're, wh what culture do you have there? Mm -hmm. You know, they know about them because they're, they're, that information is out there because they have the means to put that information out there. Mm -hmm. Where me, I don't have the same means they do, but I do have social media and I do have that avenue I can take mm -hmm. and put a little, a little money or mainly time into promoting what we do. And now they're looking at our, us as equal. Like, yeah. it's shaman or NS Or in some cases, looking at you more favorably. Well, favorably because of culture. Yeah. But, I mean, informational, like, there, there's just as much information, if not maybe more on my end, because it's so relevant and because, I'm, it, because we promote on a regular basis. Yeah, and think about this. Think about, um, you know, we're, we're talking about financial, right? But at the end of the day... Think about like happiness and satisfaction, right? Right. So if you can make ten grand somewhere else, but working for NS Builders, just to stay with you for an sure. example, right? I could have twenty thousand people seeing the cabinet that I just built. That's really unique, you know. And you can take pride and take the time that you, is necessary yeah, to like to do what you love. Yeah. What kind of satisfaction comes right. with that? Like you know, and if I'm happy, I enjoy going to work. It, it's it's hard, especially for younger people to understand. But ten grand is nothing, no. right? But over the course of a year, it's 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 literally nothing. Yeah, and it's to that point, it you're gonna work so so hard with so much stress in an environment like that for that extra ten grand, where you know us like I always tell like we don't work weekends. I want my guys, I want my guys working, you know, a regular work day. Now, I'm going to say that with, yeah, we've worked a couple of weekends in the past. It's super optional. It's like a, pro a cool project we're working on. Hey guys, you want to hang out? Like it's usually when I put my belt back on and it's like my therapy and if they want to hang out and make some extra cash on the side, you know, that's different. But mm -hmm. no, work the five days. I want you to have a home life. I want you to have a work, a life outside of work. So if you're overwhelmed or like you're working 15 hours a day, then we need to reassess because that's not what I want. Right. Where, you know, and I'm not picking on Sean here yeah, by yeah. any means, but like a big GC, you know, that is, here's your job. Let's say Holder Construction. They're not even <laughs> in Massachusetts. We won't, we won't sell it anymore. You're working for Holder and they have you working 75 hours a week. But, right? but are, are they telling you to work 75 hours or are they just giving you enough work where it takes you... 120 hours to do it every week and you're trying to cram it in 75 
and you're real and now you're making 10 grand more but you're working almost double the hours so let's break that down to hourly rate yeah. Oh, yeah. are you making less now so now now your home your home your your work-life balance is way off mm-hmm. you're super stressed you're making less money per hour yeah. I mean you want to work 75 hours for me you're you're probably making overtime at that time mm-hmm. and if the job can support it then hell why not yeah but it is, it's very, like, it, to come full circle, it's very much about culture and what we do mm-hmm. and, and using social media as an outlet to promote that has allowed us to grow to what we are today. Mm-hmm. And I think that is super important and that's something that can, I can easily lose sight of, but to remind myself all the time is that culture has to be first for us. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and then one other thing is this mic is super sensitive. So keep just when, when, um, you, when you're doing that, it probably sounds like somebody has a sledgehammer in someone's right. air, so just go easy on that. I have a um, sledgehammer. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we won't, we, we could go down this rabbit hole for a long time. Mm. Um, I'll say one more thing and we sure. can keep going back and forth. But because some people, uh, and this is really about me trying to get people over the hump. Yeah. Right? Which is, it can be business development. It can be culture. Mm-hmm. It can be getting people to work for you. It can be. It's like shocking, and you like you probably have a thousand more stories than I do. But simple things like people that send me information, right? They're like, "Hey, did you see this?" Right. No, I didn't. Right. Thank, Thank you. Yeah. I didn't know that was happening, and now I get that information because I have a amount of a fair amount of people that are out there with the same mindset, wanting to talk about the same things. And they come across it and they appreciate that I say, hey, did you see that Cambridge just put out this checklist for if you want to do permitting? Put that out there. Like, as I see things, I'm sharing them. So people on the other end are sharing it back to me, right? Providing me information that sometimes is extremely valuable. Yeah. Right? And that I might not have the time to find that out or I might not have the connections to know those people. But that's one of the, that, and I didn't even speak mm -hmm. about that, but that is probably one of the best things is that if I, you know, say I, offer some information whatever it is and then i get a message just like hey you have no idea how much that just helped me that just saved me an hour or a day or yeah, that, i yeah. didn't even know that that was the case like that just that solved the problem where i ran when you connect with people you're on a totally different level with them now they they and that's like the humanization where it's like all the pretty stuff great but they they look at it like whatever it's just inspiration photos i'll never do that work but then you bring it back to the issue that you ran into or the permit or the inspector gave you a hard time and then you kind of you know put a shout out where hey beware of this in this part of the mm-hmm. city whatever yeah and then people relate to it now you're on a whole nother level with them yeah could you, you just save somebody money time more, more importantly time right yeah. oh crap i was gonna go down there and now you just saved me a trip i didn't realize i need all that i'm right. gonna go get that like all right you just saved somebody six hours you What's know Every time I go to the department department in Boston, I always do, well, I shouldn't say every time. That would be way too often. Every once in a while, I'll do a story and just talk about how um, you you do the application online, but I always go the next day. And someone had reached out, like, why do you go there if you can do it online? I'm like, have you done one online? Because I'm pretty sure it sits it sits there for a few days. And if you're doing it online, all the documents are uploaded. You go in there, you kind of poke the bear, and then all of a sudden you walk out with 
your short form mm. within minutes. Yeah. And they, he was like, and I've got messages. I didn't know that. I've literally been waiting, waiting a week and a half for my permit. I'm like, go down there and you'll have it by the end of the day. Yeah. No, it's... And it just, it's just offering up information to make life easier. And John, who's on the, Mon uh, the Modern Craftsman podcast with yeah. us, he talks about this all the time. Is like, if I can save someone an hour, that's an hour they get to spend with their family. Yeah. No, I... And that, like, you want to look at it all the way back to personal. Like, now your, your, your work-life balance is, you know, corrected by an hour. And your wife's not mad at you because you're home at 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. No. All right. I'm going to take a hard turn because there's a couple of things that I do really want to talk about. Um, you're pretty passionate about um, people going into the trades um, if that's what they want. Right? Yeah. Um, a lot of people can be a little pro-trade and just like, oh, this is the best thing. Your kid shouldn't be called. Like, no, it's not the best thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. It's, if, it, if it's what's right for you, then that right. makes sense. Um, also noticed when I was doing my research that you went to, and this is going to get a little Massachusetts-centric here, but you went to Pittsburgh State, I did. the construction management program. Um, for folks that are listening that are going to say Pitchburg State has a construction management program, right. yes they do. And we're um, not talking about Framingham State because everyone always confused the two. Yes, yep, yep. Um, so I came across the program maybe four years ago working at the AGC, and I was like, Oh crap, I mean, I'm so wired into the construction in Massachusetts business, and I'm working at the Trade Association for General Contractors. Like, how do I not know that this exists? Right. I mean, I've been going back for 12 years to Wentworth doing lecturing and all that kind of stuff. That was the only school I knew when I, when I applied. I, I went to vo vocational high school, mm -hmm. and my parent, well, more so my, my mom, was like you need to go to college hmm. and I said okay I'm gonna then I'm just gonna stick with what I know and what I love is that's construction and I'll do construction management and start my own company hmm. and I applied to Wentworth got in and I remember I remember specifically where I was and I was walking to the guidance counselor's office in high school and my friend Justin Reed stopped me and he had a um, I think he might have had a, a Fitchburg sweatshirt on or something hmm. and I was like what is Fitchburg State? He's like, oh, I just applied it. They have a construction management program. And I said, really? How much is it? Because I was going to pay for college. Mm. And I'm like doing the math. I went mm -hmm. for it. And, he, and it was, I think it was like maybe a third per year, the cost. And I went, I called the school, and it was after applications were due. And I'm like, I really want to get in. I don't know if I can. She sent, I sent all the stuff. They're like, yep, you're all set. You're, you're enrolled. And I never even considered going back to Wentworth mm. just because I knew I was paying for it and I wanted to utilize my money. I didn't really want to go to school. Mm. I wanted to start a company. So this was a good way for me to save money. Mm. And um, yeah, I remember being I remember being part of the AGC in school in NHB and they had one ABC. Yeah, um, building contract. Yeah. 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 And they were involved, but it was just it did feel like a very quiet program. Like there were a lot of people in it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't promoted. Yeah, and that's, and that's where I had a lot of frustration. I found out about the school. And at the time I was talking with, you know, the department chair at Wentworth and, you know, he's talking and, and bragging and rightfully so that we had 100% placement this year for graduating students, meaning that they were either in a graduate program yeah. or had a full-time job. I don't even know if they helped with placement at Fishburg. 
that's what I mean. And like I said, so there's all of our companies struggling and fighting over Roger Williams, Wentworth, and UMass Amherst students. Mm -hmm. There's these pool of students that nobody knows about. And I was thinking, this is such a disservice yeah. to the students that are going there. And in hindsight, like, you know, talking to you, I'm guessing you'd probably say you shouldn't have gone. No. Well, that's a hard question, right? So everyone always says, do you regret going to uh, college? Hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason would be because I wouldn't have had the opportunity with Avalon Bay, mm -hmm. um, which they didn't hire me based on college. They just found me based on college. Right. Uh, they saw that I graduated there, so maybe they did help with placement. I don't know how that, mm. that shook out. But, but you had something on your resume that said you had a bachelor's degree, and that yeah, and they were, got you in the door. And it got me in the door, and then they realized that I'd work with my hands, and my hands were filthy, and they were like, all right, you're... You're you're in the trade, like we'll hire you. Yeah, the person you interviewing you valued yes, that. Correct. And um but do I regret it? No, because for me as a business owner now, I went from carpenter, you know, working for my family's company, you know, kind of seeing how he ran a business to being thrown into the, the pool of, you know, sharks mm -hmm. in high rise construction in Boston and dealing with hundreds of millions of dollars every day and like, kind of seeing how that was done and how high rise was constructed and kind of relaying that back to what I knew that gave me the, a lot more confidence and understanding on how bigger companies run yeah it opened up your mind it did yeah. I mean at, on a personal level I also met my wife so mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been with her was she around. working for Avalon Bay uh no and not to make this a long story but yeah. I, and I certainly won't but she actually my this is funny because if anyone listens to this they're gonna laugh um they put my office in one of the adjacent apartment buildings uh so when i was in that apartment building my office was there and she was the nanny for a family that lived in that building so i was like the, i'm using air quotes here but uh the creepy construction guy <laughs> that and i wasn't really creepy i just i always thought she was cute and i never didn't like i never even talked to her for three, three and a half years and finally, just one day, I was like, I'm just going to say hi. And we, we exchanged hi's for, like, months. Yeah. And then finally, I asked her out, which my wife would tell a way more embarrassing story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> shortly after that, I left Avalon, and she left her job there, too. But I, I look back, I'm like, I would have obviously never met her. Yeah. And wouldn't have had my kids and things like yeah. that. But it is funny that, you know. So, no, I don't, yeah, I don't so regret it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, do I think that college helped me? learn the trade or learn construction management no. yeah. all it did was it was a gateway for the path that i ended up taking yeah. i mean and i would say like if you ask me it's interesting so you were young enough looking at the finances which a lot of students aren't but even looking at it from a financial perspective though if you want to go be a project manager at one of these large firms mm -hmm. you're better off spending 30 to go to wentworth than 15 to go to, to Fitchburg as currently constituted. And I'm, I'm yeah. someone who thinks because college they, is dying. But you say that because Wentworth holds a higher precedence? I think it's going to be the schools like Wentworth mm -hmm. that survive in the long run. The schools that have the brand, like yeah. Harvard's and Yale's, like they're always going to do it because right. they I open up doors. Saying. 
right? There's some value there, right? If you're a mid-tier private school charging somebody 60 grand a year that opens no more doors than UMass Amherst, like, I think those people are in trouble. Mm -hmm. The access to information on the internet is so tremendous now mm -hmm. that you can get what you need. I think the schools like Wentworth that you will leave there with a job. Right. You know, and they are built around having companies interface with their students. They're into, you know, teaching groups, how students how to work in teams. Yeah. The co-op program. The fact that you go out of you come out of school with three different job experiences yeah. by the time you're done, and as of late, a hundred percent of the students having a job. Mm -hmm. So the bottom tier Wentworth student is getting probably a better job than the mid to top tier Fitchburg student, and right. that's no, that's nothing against. Fitchburg as a as a whole, or it's nothing against that education that happened there. It goes or back to students. the brand and yeah. they, like the the knowledge of that school and what they have to offer. Yeah, I mean the amount of effort. But I know I worked at the AGC and I know every single professor. Now I know them at Fitchburg. Right. We now Fitchburg, in a, you know, in six months from now or in a year from now might make me a liar, right? But at the time, I knew every professor by name. And I'm walking on the street, you know, they'd be like, hey, Joe, right? right. Um, you know, like, I had that interface. The, the rooms were named after construction companies. When I went there, it was the Perini Suite, but now it's, you know, Shamit, and there's the Bond BIM Lab. Mm -hmm. And, the, like, to bring, the, to bring all these people in and right. give your students access to all these companies and give them jobs at all these places, right. what's that worth? That, you know, that's so it's, it is. It's it's very much a gateway, and you're and you're you're kind of bringing that back to the brand behind the the, the school, and they've done a very good job at promoting that and branding their business or mm -hmm. branding their school, so people want those students. Where there's no, you're right. It's not as desirable to hire Fitchburg because they don't know about that. They don't know that Fitchburg's a construction management school. Whether I said it, it, the program did me nothing, or if someone else says the program, you know, brought me to the moon, like, yeah. no one knows that. Yeah. So it's the, it, it is, it's very much, like, there's a brand, and that's how that com that school and, and companies survive, is behind the brand. Yeah, and now, right now, with all that said, if you want to look at it from value investing, if I'm a general contractor looking to hire... I'm going to Fitchburg and taking a good look because I can probably get their number one, two, three, right. four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, top ten students, probably at a discount if I want to look at it for money, but also right. from if they're not having the opportunities where people like Wentworth students might almost to some degree be cozy, which is just people fighting over them. Right. Well, you, they, yeah, they also come out of that like I know I'm getting placed. I know I'm going to make this much money. Yeah. And I see that all the time. I see. I mean, I see a lot of. Companies, they especially in college, like one of the best tactics I've seen are a lot of these big GCs will go to these college like Wentworth and they'll offer the kids seventy five, eighty thousand dollars a year coming mm -hmm. out of school. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Yep. But okay, so seventy five, eighty thousand dollars a year is that where is that my cap? You know, how do I grow from there? Mm -hmm. And to grow from there, it's just that's a whole other animal. Right. It's like no, no, no. You have to. You, you're gonna be our gorilla for for 
years before you grow from there. We'll throw all the money at you right away and, and grab you. But you're right, from Fitchburg, they're not even giving that opportunity. So you can look at it from the discount side, but also the fact that they don't have any other opportunities. So when they come to them and say, hey, I have these jobs, whether they're gonna throw me 80 grand or they're gonna start them at 40 and work their way up, doesn't matter, they're not, even, they're not being presented anything right now. Mm. Yeah, you know, and kudos to AGC and Fitchburg is currently constituted. So AGC put together a advisory board for them mm -hmm. and multiple career fairs have happened since where AGC brought their members out. Yeah, Most of them that didn't know about Fitchburg and now it's a young lady that works at Walsh Brothers. I went out, I was doing a site tour with them on a project, and she was like, hey, she's like, didn't you come out to Fishburg? And I was like, yeah, she's like, oh yeah, I'm working here full time. I was like, it's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I had asked her about another kid who sent me a message on LinkedIn, and yeah. she said, I was like, yeah, I was like, where's Jordan working? Because I knew somebody that was looking for a job. Here we think, back to social media. Right. I knew someone that was looking for, to hire somebody. And the kid that sent me a message on Fitchburg, I'm from Fitchburg on LinkedIn, I remember talking to him, like, this kid's sharp, mm -hmm. he speaks well, seems like he's a go-getter, he's bothering to connect with me after the fact. I want to find out what he's doing. So I asked her, I said, oh, do you know Johnny or whatever his name was? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's co-oping here right now. And I was like, you know, beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like, so um, as much as I was being a little rough on them, like, they're, they're turning the corner now. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. So let's try and lump um, a little bit of trades, and I know you use modern craftsmen now mm -hmm. to try and encourage um, people. Use a lot of venues to try and encourage people yeah. to get into the trades. Uh, modern craftsmen, one of them. Yeah. So and we run we run the modern craftsman podcast, and it's myself, John Horan from Vintage Builders, Builder in Wellesley, mm -hmm. and Tyler Grace, um, TRG down in. Um, Medford, New Jersey. Um, we actually connected through Instagram, kind of like-minded. We, we we just kind of constantly chat. John was local, so I went up to his job site, and then we'd get beers after work, and we'd just sit there and talk about, like this, talk yeah. about business, talk about struggles, how we do this, how we do that. And we started getting messages like, hey guys, like I would love to be on the uh, be a fly on the wall. Mm -hmm. Me and John are like, we're just, we're, we're, we're just drinking beer, like talking yeah, about yeah, business. Yeah. And like, yeah, but we respect you guys in the industry and like it would be interesting to hear what you guys talk about and how you're combating things. And that's how that's we how started. Yeah, how it started. We're like, all right, so let's let's do this. Yeah. And, you know, let's record a podcast. And in the in the beginning it was very much bringing guests on and talking about like their story and kind of comparing, but we've realized that the the knowledge and the two sided conversations like I keep referring back to Kevin O'Connor. We had him, I think it's episode 41. Sorry if I'm it's wrong. It's within the last five or six episodes. So yeah. if you pulled up on iTunes, it's, it should be at the top. Yeah, one so of the more recent ones. Kevin O'Connor, this old house, he is very, very good at creating conversation. And what he's also good at is combating what you say. So if I say there is a lack of skill in the trades, he would combat that and say there's not a lack of skill. And he would have, he would back it up with, it's not a lack of skill, it's a lack of whatever. Like mm -hmm. maybe it's the we're not doing the right thing or we're not attracting the right the right people or like a lack of training or Yeah, like, it's like you know, he always he, he talks about he's very statistic statistic based, right? Mm -hmm. And we did uh, he talked recently about how statistically it's not really savvy to get into the trades. 
you you want to look at this from a financial side and who's going to make more money at the end of the day it's you're probably going to end up much better off as a doctor or a lawyer or something more white collar where you're going to be physically taxed like you know it's going to be physically taxing on you to get in the trades and you could be very successful at it but the amount of success coming out of it versus the people that just scrape by is way outweighed by the people that are you know these smaller com smaller companies that never reach that level of success that you know when you look at other industries they are tilted the other way most people end up very successful yeah now i'll play kevin o'connor for a minute yeah and credit to fran colantonio uh, who is the owner of colantonio construction or colantonio inc whatever the name is he has spent a lot of time and energy just personally almost like from a philanthropic standpoint encouraging high school kids to go into the trades mm -hmm. and he did a lot of looking at the numbers and he looked at a college degree and the debt coming out of school I know where you're going with this yeah. going into a trade mm -hmm. and when you look at that graph even though this is with, with the debt and yeah. how you're starting in a negative place four you, years in yeah you're like you're 50 before you like break even or something like that yeah so but financially it can be better Hundred percent, and that's not what I'm, and that's not what he was saying, and that's not what, like my, what, what I'm getting at. It's that there are so many contractors, or like there's so many guys that are under five people, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That that severely outweighs the guys that are more successful or are making more money. If you look at it from a holistically, volume, from a volume standpoint, right? Yes, millions of those. If you average them out, yeah, the majority, like you're gonna be better off in the trades because you'll come out of school with no debt and you'll be making whatever, you know, you can make six figures a year within mm -hmm. the first five years, whatever, mm -hmm. where if you're gonna be up six figures in the hole and then start crawling up with a college degree, yeah. But that's that's looking at the average, mm -hmm. where, you know, if, if you look at the entire industry, there's so many guys that aren't successful and that they're not making enough money and they're, they stay small because they they can't grow or they don't want to grow other than that fear that we talked about yeah but i think for us you know i don't have the answer on how we attract the trains mm -hmm. it, it goes back to what we do now with the podcast and social media is that mm -hmm. i just want to continue to promote what we do and build a culture around it i'm not going to change the stigma on construction because there is a bad stigma again going back to how many contractors there are and how many guys that are small and aren't successful and then you have you think about all the guys that are out there robbing people mm -hmm. or doing a bad job or doing crappy work because it's about the money or whatever. It's, it's, it's hard to combat that. Mm -hmm. We're not required to get a degree. We're not re we're required to get a mass license, but it's pretty easy to get around that if you really yeah. want to, right? Yeah. Where a, a doctor, I mean, they're going to school for six, eight years. Mm-hmm. And they're like they're schooling for that, and they're getting to a point where it's much harder to be a crappy doctor than it is to be a crappy contractor. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to change that stigma, but if we can keep shedding light on doing the right thing and putting the right craftsmanship into it, and saying, "Hey, this is this is how we do it. This is how you can be successful doing it. This is the right way to do it. This is why like this is why we do it, and this is why it's good to be transparent and honest, mm -hmm. and just keep talking about it." And allow our network or our companies to grow and, and you know promote that that's all I can do 
All and all, all, all we can do is just continue to talk about the right way, the right thing to do, and naturally people will be more attracted to it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think if there's enough voices talking about it, Fran Colantonio, right. you, me, whoever else, it adds up. Yeah, and and it and it it does eventually move the needle. You know, I mean, right. and that stigma slash stereotype is um, so inappropriate for a lot of reasons. Go yeah. back to our pre-recorded where we were talking just about general happiness. At the end of the game, it's like what's going to make you you, you sure. happiest, right? And if you're going to be happiest building cabinets, then go build cabinets, right? right? Um, but I would often look at um, like my time at Wentworth, right? You think of an architect, everybody, if you went up and down my street here and talk about architect, they'd be like, oh, that person's an architect, and there's some prestige associated with it, right? right? And somebody wants to grow up and be an architect and design buildings and all this other kind of stuff. And that's wonderful. Right, right? and wonderful. then someone says, I want to be a contractor. Right. Oh, you don't want to do that. Right, so I remember going to Wentworth, and architecture students had to spend five years because there was a, that extra year to have to do with your accreditation or mm -hmm. getting your stamp. They would be up to all hours of the night in their lab drawing to go to something where they would have to display their work and their professor would rip them. And they were just working like dogs, right? Mm -hmm. And then they would graduate. It because everybody wants to be an architect, they became to some degree, from a financial standpoint, a dime a dozen because the supply and demand. Everyone wants to be an architect. You only need so many architects. There's all these people beating down the door for a job. So they were coming out and at the time making 28 grand a year drawing toilet partitions for some big firm. And we were coming out of school making 48, 50 in four years versus five years with debt. And they were making half the money, but you know, there was this, and I was like, it's wrong. Right. You know, it's wrong for architect to be on a pedestal and someone in the construction industry to be beneath them, right? You know, and that. And sorry, I know you're going to talk, but I'm like, no, I'm, no, no. I'm a little slightly fired up. And I remember somebody in particular. And I remember feeling it myself. Like I had friends that were at Boston College, and you'd be out at a bar or at some party, and you know, you like, especially if you're talking to a girl, or whatever. And they were like, "Oh yeah, like, what do you do? You go to BC?" It's like, "No, I, I go to Wentworth." You know, they're like, "Oh, what do you study? Like construction?" They'd just be like. Yeah. turn and like right. all the way nose up gone right. right and it was like I remember in high school I remember when I applied to get into vocational school I thought I was so nervous and I, I remember going to the guidance office and I was like did I get in and she looked at me and she's like why wouldn't you get in and I'm like I don't know I just want to make sure she's like even the bad kids get into that school and I was and, I looked, and that bugged the shit out of me mm -hmm. I was like what do you mean like that's how we're going to look at this like the, oh, the bad kids go there and you're just going to join them? And it didn't affect the way I, I went there like, you know, hey, I want to be the best. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if that meant I was a brown nose or in freshman, sophomore, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember like the senior kids picking on me and they call me Shed Boy in uh, school because <laughs> I used to build sheds on the side. Which, I, at the time, like, it didn't, I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew that I was doing this for the right reason. I was putting the right effort into and it. You were probably putting a, a thousand bucks in your pocket oh, yeah. on the weekend. Oh, yeah. They all asked me for jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like they, and it's funny because like, it, it, 
It was. It was like they'd make fun of me and be like, oh, can I work on the weekend with you? <laughs> I'm like, what? No. But I just, it drove me nuts that, that was, it was that negative stigma. Mm. And I definitely, I wasn't naive to it, but I definitely ignored it a lot. And I just was like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to build some cool stuff. And mm. that was that was always how I, I looked at it. And, you know, I don't, yeah, I would say part of me considers, like, when someone asks what I do, I don't say contractor, probably because that doesn't sound yeah, this great. Is, yeah, this is. I'm, I'm a builder, you mm. know, and I think builder sounds sounds better. Yeah. It's like, I'm a builder. Mm. And, you know, and that, and just, yeah, there's that, just the vocabulary behind it, but, like you said, the more people talking about it, the more people shedding light on it. You know, if everyone tells you it's cool to buy a Chevy, you're probably going to buy a Chevy. Hmm. If yeah. everyone says that you shouldn't buy Firestone tires, you're probably not buying Firestone tires. No, yeah, it's true. Right? Yeah. And that's the same. It's that's why I look at this as I'm not going to I'm not going to hold stuff in. I'm just going to share everything. Share the good, the bad, everything because if I can relate, most people relate when you share something bad put plumbing in the wrong spot, rip tile off the wall, had to move the plumbing. People were like, oh my God, like I've done that. I, all I did was look at your work thinking everything you did was perfect. Hmm. No, 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 I, we're, we're very similar. Like I mess up all the time. Just people aren't promoting that. Hmm. Now I'm humanizing, I'm relating back to them. But then I'm sharing the process and I'm sharing it and people are realizing that not everything is perfect. I can do this. I can build cool stuff. I can go after what I genuinely enjoy and I can make a living and I can be successful and I can support my family with it. Yeah. And be satisfied. Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, if you have two people that are satisfied with what they do, and here's like an interesting kind of story. This, I'm pointing behind me to Nick, the street right there, right? Very good friends of ours, a doctor and a nurse, mm -hmm. right? We're very close. Um, they have two twin girls. And I'm only going to say this for context of how close we are. Mm -hmm you know, we're their guardians if they ever pass away, right? So okay. we're like that, yeah. right? And it's funny, like, I was thinking about this, like, when one of us gets sick in our house, like, my wife got, you know, a bad, like, stomach virus and even was, like, really laid up in bed. We're calling them. They're coming over on the side with IV bags to, like, pump fluids in her and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. But when his oil tank leaks and there's panic in his house, he's calling me. Right for like, I need help. I don't. I don't know who to call. I don't know what to do with this. Like, why is it different? You know, it it shouldn't be. It's, it's not. cultural. And if you go to Europe, you go to Germany or whatever. Like, how they look at a machinist or a craftsman is no different. Right. But it's it's a cultural thing. So, I, I think what you're doing is is great. I think what Frank Colantoni is doing late. Just continue to talk about it. It's no different. He's a doctor. I'm a code consultant, right? But and you add like, and I have, we'll just split like white collar, blue collar, right? I have even like my wife's friends now. I I feel like a lot of this is shifting. Like to speak quickly on like college, like people are starting to shift away from you need a college degree. And there was this um like a statistic. I don't know why I'm having an issue with saying that's that. That's twice a day. Yeah, edit that out. But that showed that. You know, these job um, descriptions were like, oh, you need four years of college. And then they were saying, like, 70% of the people that have that job at that company don't have a college degree. 
and they're putting it in there because it's like the right thing to do. Like you need this experience to get this job, but the people that work there don't have that experience. Why? Why is college required? And I think there's this big shift where college is, you know, like you said, a lot of them are going to phase out. You know, there's going to be less and less push to like you have to go to college because more and more people are realizing that you don't need a degree to get a good job. Mm -hmm. And you know, the our industry is just one of the industries or one of the avenues that you can get into it without a college degree. But what I was getting at is that even with you know my wife's friends, like they come over and they see our house and we did a full renovation on it mm-hmm. and they joke around like my husband can't even change the light bulb. And not that that's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like like he codes, right? He he does. Code. Yeah. I had no idea how to code. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't fix your computer. Whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For me, what I do, it's tangible. Like you get to see. Like at the end of the day, there's something physically there, and that's awesome. But I, I mean, never once did I ever like think about how do I change a light bulb, and the fact that there's that split. Like you talk about, like mm. you know, yeah, they're just as useful to me. I don't know how that code is affecting me, but somehow I'm sure it is. But when then and you couldn't post on Instagram without him, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Create the app that I built my business on. Yeah. But the the same thing. It's like then they call me, and it's just that it's shifting culturally. Mm. That there is this that conversation that you're so lucky that your husband's a builder or a contractor because he can fix the house. Like the house is one of the most expensive things you ever buy in your entire life, and mm. the fact that if you can work on it yourself, mm-hmm. that's a huge burden. Because otherwise, you're paying someone to change a light bulb. Yep. 200 bucks an hour because they have a minimum, right? Yep. No, it's the reality. Huh. Yeah, I think it, I think there's a big shift in it. And it, it's it, it's going to happen slow. But I think now, the more promoting and the more pro, like the more we talk about it and the more everyone talks about it, yep. I think it will slowly shift. There's always going to be the negative side to it, no matter what. There's way too many people in the industry it's way too easy to be in the industry you know, if I was a pickup truck and next there was exactly. now you know yeah wow. alright well I'm already long so long? We're, we're gonna uh, yeah yeah I tried to keep it for the hour we're over right. an hour already <laughs> but yeah let's uh, you and I will continue to talk about it and uh, no I appreciate you coming this is awesome Nick. I appreciate it thank you so much Thanks. You got it. hey everyone can't thank you enough for listening to the show uh, hope you enjoyed it hope you loved what you heard Um, If you did, if you wouldn't mind heading over to SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever it is that you listen, and give us a rating. It would help us to get heard, which would be huge. Keep this thing going. Um, If you want to get more involved, head over to massconstruction.org. You can see what we do there. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, all from that page, whatever your medium is that you prefer. Uh, And last thing I got to say is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whoa, woman, keep your hands away from me. Yeah.